This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I'm excited about this morning because I want to speak to you on a pattern of amazement. And so it's really important for us because God is doing a new thing. And I think what's, what I want to do today is I want to start setting a platform for what I believe he's doing and our responsibility in that and how he's wanting to partner with us to move into where he's going. Um, if you open your Bibles, I'll read it to you from Luke chapter 24. I'm going to read from verses 13 onwards. Okay, here we go. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they didn't know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him and to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the woman had said. We have a story, and it's an interesting one, because this is right after Jesus' death. And it's talking about a couple of his disciples, a couple of people who spent their life and their time with Jesus. And what's happened is they had an idea as to what Jesus was going to do and where he was going to go. They had an idea as to what their future was going to look like. They had a paradigm. They had a frame of reference as to how things were going to work. And in their paradigm, they had a pattern for how life was going to be with Jesus. This was supposed to be the one who was going to come and he was going to redeem Israel. This was the one who was going to come and redefine the future. This was the one who was going to come and change the outlook and how everything was going to be. They had a pattern for how they thought things were going to work. They had a mold and they had everything established. And they were comfortable in their mold and they were comfortable in their space and they were comfortable where they were because they were able to define everything. And all of a sudden in the midst of all of that was going on and the paradigm where they were happy and the paradigm where they were established and the paradigm that wasn't unsettled, all of a sudden, they came to a place where Jesus was crucified. And this wasn't supposed to happen. The paradigm, the place where I was comfortable and the place that I, was, that I knew was shattered. And now they find themselves on a journey, leaving behind a paradigm that used to exist, walking to who knows where. 
They don't have an idea as to what the future is going to look like and it's not defined for them. They're not at a place where they're able to sit and say, I'm walking into this specifically. All they know is the things that I held on to, the things that used to define who we were and where we were going, the place where I was comfortable in my spirituality and my relationship with the Redeemer. All of a sudden, all of that has been turned on its head and I'm not sure what the future is going to look like. If you find yourself in an interesting place like that, then I'm talking to you this morning. If you find yourself in a place where you thought that you had an understanding and a a definition as to what your Christianity was all about, and you had set the parameters and the limits as to where it should be, but all of a sudden you find that those things are suddenly being unsettled and you feel a little uncomfortable where you are, I'm talking to you. You're in a good place. Ever since the fall, something terrible happened. It was called separation. Separation. When God created man, God created man with the intention that God and man were to cohabit, were to be together, were to live in that space. And what ended up happening as a result of sin was separation. It's in the context of separation that God always has a plan. And in God's plan, God is always taking his presence, who he is, and he's overcoming separation to introduce us to proximity. God's major plan is in one that is defined by proximity. In all that he's doing, he's moving to a place where once again, we can move back to what his original design was. We can get back to the place where I can reestablish and reconnect with who I'm supposed to be. It's called my destiny. My destiny is never going to be discovered outside of who he is. My destiny is going to be discovered when the two become one. And all of a sudden in that space, I walk into the clear definition of who I am. I'm to be conformed to the image of Christ. But the image of Christ only comes about as a result of proximity. And that's what I want to prove to you today. You see, when God took Israel out of Egypt, what he said to them was, you will be my people and I will be your God. What he was saying was, there is going to be something peculiar about you. There's going to be something different. And maybe they were all preachers like me. They were unique. (laughs) He said, I want you to know something. I'm taking you out from where you are because I'm going to redefine who you are. You are going to be a peculiar people because of who I am and your relationship with me. And when he took them out of that place and he took them out of Egypt, the first thing that he did was he gave them somebody called Moses. Moses was a mediator between Israel, God's chosen people, and God. Moses went up on Mount Sinai and he met with God. And God gave him what he wanted to give the people. And Moses, the mediator, came back and he presented to the people. He said, I've been with God. Here you go. The problem with it was every time Moses went away, people lacked proximity. So what did they do? Let's get a calf, a golden calf, and we'll worship it. Because there was no presence. But God was on a mission. 
And God said, my ideal is not to live in and to rest and to live in a place where we simply have a mediator. I'll tell you what, I'm going to move my presence into that space. And so all of a sudden, they moved into a new paradigm where his presence was in the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was in the temple. And the temple was with the people. And it meant that they had to change a little bit because I no longer had a mediator. It meant that I had God with us. And because God was with us, people used to come to the temple to meet with the priests because the priests had access to God. It meant a shift and a change of things. It meant a change on people's parts because all of a sudden I moved from mediation to a place of him with us. But God wasn't happy just being with you. He said, that's not my intention. That's not my goal. I'm going back to original design. And so he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take on flesh. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to come and live amongst you. What happened? There was a paradigm shift. A paradigm shift happened all over again because all of a sudden the presence which used to be in the Holy of Holies took on flesh and came and lived amongst us. And it required a paradigm shift on our part in his effort and his intention to once again get reconnected with who we are, he said, fine, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get closer each step of the way. And now I'm going to move to a place where I'm going to come and live amongst you. But it required a paradigm shift. Do you know who struggled most with the paradigm shift? The religious people. It wasn't the world who struggled with it. It was the religious people. What happened? I bought into a paradigm. I bought into a space where all of a sudden I could define where it was and I knew where God was and I knew how things worked and my religious structure was so established and I could go to the temple and I could first give my sacrifice and everything worked and everything was defined and I knew how it worked and I knew how things should be and all of a sudden in this paradigm I find myself in a place where things shifted again. The problem was I was camped. I couldn't get out of where I was to move into where he is. And what ended up happening? So many of the religious people missed out on what God was doing. They missed out on what God was doing. It wasn't because God wasn't available. It wasn't because God wasn't accessible. It wasn't because God didn't make everything available to everybody at the same time. But people made decisions in their paradigm about what they wanted to do. We're going to have to make some decisions in our paradigm in moving forward because God is going to be doing a new thing. God is alive. Do you know what happens with people who are alive? They don't live in one place all the time. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is not changing, but I'll tell you what he is doing. He is taking aspects of who he is, and he is illuminating them to us. And he is introducing us to a deeper and more expansive understanding of who he is. And what he does is he spoon feeds us. He gives us something, and so we get that, and we begin to understand a dimension of who he is, and we appreciate who that is. And we make that, his intention is that we make that a part of who we are. But once you've got that, once you've eaten the meal, we move on to the next one. He's moving. Don't get caught 
in a space where we defined by where we were, but he's moved on. These disciples find themselves in an interesting place because that's exactly what happened. They were at a place where they knew and they could define it and they knew how things should be. But all of a sudden, they were ejected from that paradigm and they were going to, I don't know where. And they're having to process all of the stuff in themselves. And they're having to sit and go through all of this to try and get a sense of vision, to put myself in a place where I sit and say, fine, how do I reconcile what God's plan and purpose is? How do I deal with the fact that things aren't working out the way that I thought that they should work out? When we have a look at the world in which we find ourselves today, it's very easy to get a little bit despondent about things. Why isn't the church different to what it is? Why aren't we making more of an impact? Why isn't the the world changing and being more reflective of who he is? It seems as though things go from dark to darker. And I want to know what's happening here. Where is God in this mix? Because I don't really understand it. I love him. I know he has plans and purposes, but I just don't know what they are. God, I believe, is using these times in our life to rewrite our spiritual agenda that is going to introduce us to a deeper and more intimate relationship with him. You may find yourself at a place right now where you don't understand. You may find yourself at a place where you have more questions than answers. You may find yourself at a place where you're sitting saying, I don't know what it's going to look like. All I know is I'm not happy where I am. I want you to know something. It's a good place to be. Because in that space, what he wants you to know is this. Don't camp there. Stay open to his movement and what's going on. You know why Christianity is peppered with denominations? Because people got intimate with God and got revelation from God and they took that revelation from God and it was alive and it was fresh and they introduced it to people and it touched and it changed lives and people moved into their truth and when they moved into their truth all of a sudden they found this was right this is good this has touched my life this has changed my life and you know what they did? they put up boundaries I can define God I know what he is that's why you can go to any denomination and you know what you'll find truth in it everything has every one of them has something that they can impart to you because all of them were built on truth the problem with it is I started building fences as opposed to recognizing that God is all about presence and proximity and he's not going to leave me where I was because I'm on a journey and part of that journey is to move me into my destiny and my destiny is all about the two becoming one I'm glad that you got the revelation I'm glad that he touched your life I'm glad he moved you into that space just don't put up boundaries the biggest challenge with Christians is if we want to live on yesterday's word. We want to live on yesterday's word. 
God is alive, and if God is alive, God speaks. His words are new every morning. He is leading you. He doesn't take you to a place and depart and say, live there forever. He's talking to us all the time. And it's important because the problem with it is some people are living off a word that they got last month. Some people are living off a word they got a couple of years ago. Some people are living off a word that they got when they were kids. But my life hasn't moved. What is he saying to you today? What is he saying to you? I grew up in a very traditional Christian environment. But I was young. And as an early teen, I remember that there was a very strong move of God. It was the word and faith movement. Things happened. The word and faith movement was so instrumental in my development and who I was. And there were great things in word and faith. It, it brought us to a place where we began to realize and have an appreciation for how powerful God's word is and how God wants to take his word and how he wants to once again move us to a closer place of proximity, to move us to a place where who he is and his presence starts to redefine the reality and the foundation of my life. Faith becomes the opportunity and the springboard for me to move into the things of God. Faith was important. The word was important. And there were great impartations that were made. But don't put up fences around word and faith. Because you know what? If you really look at it and you have the macro picture, you see God imparted that because he said, you need it. It's a nutrient for your growth and development. But that's not all you need. And what happened from word and faith? We started moving to something new. And people had to be at a place where they were open to God's movement. And they were able to sit and say, okay, things are shifting and things are changing. It's not bad, but what are you doing, God? And we moved into grace. Grace has always been there. It's not like it was something new. But the grace movement came about. Why? Because all of a sudden God said, I understand the fact that you have an appreciation and that you've allowed word and faith to begin to work in your life and to redefine who you are as a person. But now I want you to get to an understanding of the fact that it's not by works, but it's by everything that Christ has provided. It was a paradigm shift. It was a change for a lot of people. Many people out of word and faith lived in works. Grace was a wonderful layer on top of that to realize that everything that he's made available to you is accessible to everybody because of what Christ has done. Don't get stuck in grace. Don't put fences up. Because he's moving. And in that space of moving, I want you to know something. I believe he's moving into a new area. And I believe the new area that God is moving into is relationship with the living word through the Holy Spirit. Relationship with the living word through the Holy Spirit. It's not new, but he's putting an emphasis there. 
And I believe that's the place that we're going. So what it means is, as I'm sitting on my road to Emmaus, don't be at a place where you sit and say, I want to go back to where it was. Because back to where it was doesn't exist anymore. He's moving you forward to something new. He's moving you on to something new. And what you can lay hold of is this. Perhaps you can't define what it's going to look like. It's okay. You know why? You are not the author or the finisher. All you have to know is, I know he's going somewhere. So let me get together with him and find out where he's going. Let me find him on the road. Because if I find him on the road, he can speak into my life. And if he can speak into my life, before terribly long, I'm going to find that my heart burns with passion. Why? Because it's not about me, it's about him. Because the place that I thought was so wonderful and so exciting, the place that I thought that was so fabulous because Jesus was here, I had no clue on the road to Emmaus that I was about to step into something that was so incredible. They would dedicate an entire book in the Bible to it. It's called the book of Acts. He didn't know that the book of Acts was in front of him. All he knew was that Jesus had been crucified. And he could be alive, but I'm not actually sure because nobody's seen him. God never falls off the throne. Big revelation. He's doing stuff. When I was a child, I thought like a child, I acted like a child, I behaved like a child, I thought like a child. Everything in my life was all about a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You know what that means? I'll tell you, Rafa. It was a loaded question, Rafa. What is the biggest thing that characterized these kids? Me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. What about me? What about me? What about my life? I don't know. What's the hardest thing to teach a kid? Share. Why? It's mine. What happens? When we get born again, we come into the kingdom as a child. Touch me. Bless me. Change me. Heal me. Provide for me. Give me everything. Me, 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 me. Nothing wrong with that because God loves you. It's part of your development. But say, thank you, Jesus. I'm not a child anymore. Do you know what it means when I grow up? What it means when you grow up, it says this. I've matured because I've recognized that there is a bigger and more significant plan at place that is beyond me. And I have the opportunity to be a participant and a contributor to God's bigger plan and purpose. As opposed to sitting there saying, what about me? And they sat in my seat. And I don't like this. And I've never liked that song. And I'm sending a letter to Alex. And it's me, 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 me. And I get mature and I start to grow up and I start to recognize, you know what? I want to find myself on the road to Emmaus because should I tell you something? We've got a country that's going to hell in a handbasket. And you know what? I know that you've got a plan and a purpose for this country and I don't know what it is and I don't know how it's going to work and I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm available. I'm available. on the road it's on the road and the upper room is in his future do you know what happened when they got to the upper room 
I know you didn't know, so that's what I was going to tell you. <laughs> they got to the upper room. And when they were all there, they were like, well, he said, Father's gift is going to come. It's going to bless us. And they were like, yep. And I go, okay, well, let's just pass the time together a little bit maybe. Hey? Why don't we just, why don't we pray? Okay, that's a good idea. Let's pray. So they started to pray. And they started to pray. And do you know what happened after three days of praying? Nothing. Three days? Nothing. And they said, well, let's just carry on praying. So they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. You know what happened after five days? You guessed it. Nothing. Nothing. He promised us. He promised us that we would have the gift of the Father. He promised us that the Holy Spirit would come. We've been praying for five days. Five days. And nothing. You know what happened when they hit the weeks, Mark? Seven days. Nothing. Praying despite what it looks like. Praying despite how I feel. Praying despite the circumstances. Praying despite the grumbling. Praying despite everything else. Because he said so. What do you base your life on? What do you base your Christianity on? What he's told you or what it looks like? What he's told you or how it feels. What he's told you or how the circumstances are changing. What are you basing your Christianity on? Because do you know what happened? Do you know what kept them praying? The passionate pursuit of something real. How much do you want it? We can't have a prayer meeting for 30 minutes. We live in a strange part of the country. Our lives are busy between work and commuting and family and everything else. Our lives are busy. Do you think we could maybe square the, squeeze this, the prayer meeting in like 15 minutes between that? How much do you want it? What kept them praying for 10 days passionate pursuit of something real. And do you know what happened after 10 days? It's a trick question. A lot! Fireworks! In the upper room! All kinds of stuff happened. The Holy Spirit came upon them and all of a sudden there were fireworks! It was a crazy space. And you know what Acts chapter 2, verse 16 says? I think it's 16. It says, this is that that they spoke of. This is that. It took them 10 days of praying, 10 days of pursuit, 10 days of passion, 10 days of checking out and moving in closer to 
presence to get to a place where all of a sudden things happened and this is that. And we're living it. This is that. This was the moment that had been prophesied. This is the moment that we've been waiting for. This is the moment that everything has been centered around. This is the moment that is going to redefine what the future is going to be like. Each one of us needs to have a this is that moment. Have you had a this is that moment? We find ourselves on the road to Emmaus because we've got issues in our life and we've got challenges in front of us and we've got things that are happening and things that are going on in all different kinds of, of avenues. What I'm telling you is this, you are looking for this is that which I'm believing for. This is that which I'm looking forward to. This is that which I'm anticipating. This is that where I'm expecting God to come through for me. We need a this is that moment in our life. Should I tell you what's wonderful about a this is that moment? Things happened. It was more than belief. It was an encounter. It was an experience. Our belief is important. But our belief should always lead us to an experience. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, you know what ended up happening? What manifested was immediate fruit. Things happened when he arrived. Not only for them, but for everybody outside. What happened was, because of the presence, what they did is they took the this is that encounter, and when they went outside, this is that had fruit and bore fruit in the lives of people around about them. Here's what I want you to understand. This is so important. Apart from fruit, there's no blessing. Apart from fruit, there's no blessing. The fruit in our lives is the blessing of God in our lives. The reason we stay connected to the vine is because I'm here to bear fruit of him. I need presence. If I don't have presence, I don't bear fruit. That's why fruit is not of the head. Fruit is of the heart. Because the thing with it is, is I can get into the Bible and I can study all of this stuff and the ins and the outs and and the word of God is wonderful. But if I leave it in my head, there is no fruit. There's no blessing. The Pharisees knew the word, but their life wasn't. They didn't have residual fruit. They weren't fruit bearers. My life is to be a fruit bearer. Because it's the fruit that people are looking for. I'm a big believer in revelation. Because revelation gives the Holy Spirit the opportunity to begin to illuminate and show me things. It gives him the opportunity to begin to make changes in my life. But illumination and revelation in and of itself is not the end point. I'm glad that you have belief. You need to have belief. And our belief needs to be established in our faith. Our faith needs to be built from who he is. But your belief and your faith are not the end point. All of it is a channel because what I'm doing is I've connected with presence. And when I connect with presence and I live from presence, what ends up happening is I bear fruit. 
My life needs to be a life of a fruit bearer. Do you know what happens when you're a fruit bearer? Introduces us to amazement. Acts chapter 2, verse 7. It says, they were amazed. It's not talking about the people in the upper room. It's talking about the people outside. What it was saying was, the people who were outside of what God was doing in that space had a look at what was going on. They had a look at the people's lives. They had a look at the fruit. They recognized the blessing. And they were amazed. Can I get a little bit close to home? Tell your neighbor, this is for you. This is for you. This isn't for me. When was the last time our life amazed people? When was the last time our life amazed people? Not impressed. They may be impressed with you, and they may be impressed with the way that you dress, and they may be impressed with your great sense of humor, and maybe they're impressed with your knowledge, and maybe they're impressed with a whole bunch of stuff. But when was the last time they were amazed? When was the last time you were in a place where somebody sat up and said, that is amazing? Do you know what makes it amazing? What makes it amazing is presence and the fruit of presence. I believe that the place that we're going to and the place that is going to start to define the church is a place of amazement. It's important for people to come into service. It's important for people to understand what God has for them. It's important for people to be at a place where they know how much God loves for them and what he's provided for them to walk into a good relationship with them. And all of those things are significant and they all have a place and they all have a purpose. But where is the amazement? You see, when we have the amazement, we won't be able to keep people in here. But I can't generate amazement. Our faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, when we build our life and we build our relationship with God on his power and his intervention in our life, it puts us in a place where we are positioned to introduce people to amazement. Don't camp where you are. It's okay to sit and say, Holy Spirit, I know you're giving direction to our life. I know you're giving direction to who I am and what I'm all about. You know why? Because I'm part of a bigger entity and a living entity called the church. You're the head of it. I'm part of the body. And I want you to know that in that space, I'm committed to the bigger cause. I'm not about me. I appreciate the fact that you love me and I appreciate that you provide for me and you give me everything that you need because you're such a good God and you're such a loving God. But I want you to know something. I want to be committed to something bigger than myself. I want to be committed to something that has significant impact and influence in our culture and in our society, and in a world that is struggling really hard to discover and establish and define what truth is. In a world that's upside down, they're really not all that interested in another theory. What will influence the world is amazement. 
God knows it. I believe that the place that we're moving into is a place of amazement. It's a place of presence, consuming every part of who I am. And so in him I live and I move and I have my being. Because when I live from that place, I live from a position of influence. I live from a place of power. Because it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. Grace is wonderful. And the premise of grace is so fundamental. Everything that Christ has provided is available to everybody. The question is this. How much do you value it? Because I believe that is what separates people from how much they walk into. It's not a works program. You're never going to get it by your works. It's got nothing to do with works. But you have a heavenly treasure in earthly vessels. How much do you value it? Will you pray for 10 days? How desperate are we to sit and say, that is so important to me and so important in my life. I'll tell you, I I, I submit Holy Spirit. You show me what you want for me to do. And in that space, we live from a place of obedience. And when he's told you to do something, you just stay there and do it. Even if it takes 10 days. It doesn't matter what it looks like. If he's told you to do that, I want you to know something. The fruit is coming. The fruit is coming. Can we all please stand? Um, if you're here today, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. It says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Pinch yourself. If that's flesh you're feeling, you qualify. <laughs> He'll pour out his spirit on all flesh. If you're looking for an impartation and you're looking for him to do something in your life that's going to take you to another level, I want you to come up here so people can pray for you. Everybody else here, Father, I just want to thank you for incredible people. I thank you, Father, for people that you love so very, very much. Father, I pray blessing over each person's life right now. Holy Spirit, 
I just ask you to give clear direction to each person this week. Father, as we move into a greater recognition of your plans and purposes, I pray that you will just begin to reveal to each person here their role and what it is that you want for them to do. I want to thank you, Father, for your presence with us. I thank you that nothing makes you happier than when you're close and intimate with us. I want to thank you for that space. And I want to thank you that as we live from that place, I want to thank you for fruit that's produced in our lives. Fruit that's not only for us. Fruit that not only touches and changes who we are, but fruit that affects and influences our world. I thank you for power. Not on its own, but comes with you. Father, I pray for every person that's up here right now. And Father, I pray that as we lay hands on them and as we pray for these people, I want to thank you, Father, for your goodness. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I ask you to give them a special impartation. I pray for a special impartation into their life. I thank you for a transformed people. I thank you for people, Father, who walk into environments and bring about your presence, who bring about your power, who bring about your change. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in their lives right now, and I bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.